Welcome to the eSuccess Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical world of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 206, Jacob returns, and we answer some more of the most interesting Lean Six Sigma-related questions from Quora. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Hey, Jacob, how are you? I'm good, Aaron. How's it going with you? Jacob, I am doing great. Jacob, I am so glad to finally talk to you again. I know. It's been more happier. Maybe more. Yeah, just about. How how was India? How was your sabbatical? Uh, there was no sabbatical this year. It was uh, three weeks of work, and then I came back for a few days, and then I went back for another few days for family reasons. Uh-huh. And then I'm back. So must have felt like a sabbatical for you, but it wasn't necessarily for me. So your sabbatical was last year, last calendar year then? Yes, it was in 2017. Got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Well, either way, welcome back, and uh, glad you. to get you on the phone again. Perfect. Thank you for having so, me. So I thought we'd go through, just as a way to warm back up, it's been a while since anybody has heard our two voices together. Uh, yep. I just went through and picked up some questions from Quora, and I thought maybe we'd uh, pick some of these out and give it our best shot, see, uh, let people know what our opinions are on some of these questions. Excellent. Let's do it. All right. So any of these stick out as particularly interesting to you? No, let's go down the list. Go down the list? All right. Well, all right, here we go. Number one, is PMP tougher than a Six Sigma black belt? I think you're best equipped to answer this because you've done both of them. I've, I've looked at the book of knowledge for a PMP, but I have not attempted writing an exam or following through with it. Right, right. So this is kind of a, and I, I've looked at. I've, yes, I've done both. And I, if you if you look just at the body of knowledge, you'd say, wow, PMP is simple. And if you looked at the body of knowledge for Six Sigma, you'd say Six Sigma was really difficult. Um, if you look at the exam, say if you were looking at the PMP exam and comparing it to the ASQ exam, you'd be looking at the PMP exam and saying, oh my God, this is difficult. And you'd look at the ASQ exam and say, oh my God, this is simple. So it's a, it's kind of interesting. I found the PMP exam to be the toughest exam that I took, hmm. but the training and methodology of Lean Six Sigma itself is more complicated than the... Um, the body of knowledge for PMP. So it's kind of interesting. You know, this question says, which one is kind of saying, which one should I do this one or that one? If you're going to do, well, I was going to say you should do both, but that's not really true. You, if you're going to be a practicing black belt, you should have project management skills and, uh, you don't have to be PMP to do that. It could be that you just make sure you study the best practices of project management um, and I'm not necessarily meaning the body of knowledge that PMI says. I'm also kind of including some agile practices in there because it seems to be, you know, really the, the direction to go with a, pretty much any project you're going to be involved with. Yeah, I mean, I can say that. I would agree. But, you know, to, to your point, right, uh, I would say if you are in a good 
Six Sigma black belt sort of a program. Um, there's a lot of a lot of effort or discussions around soft skills uh, between effective presentations, meeting management, uh, project management, actions and activities. Um, you know the the black belt uh, itself. If you think of the make, that's literally a project management framework. <laughs> if you want to talk yeah, about it, how do you work is, with your yeah. project? So mm-hmm. um, you know you're if, to, to Adam's point, if you're just trying to understand or function, you're probably better off. You learn some of those skills as a part of your Six Sigma Black Belt program, uh, and that might be enough to survive. <laughs> uh, but if you are looking for a role as a project manager who has to do some level of continuous improvement activities, you're probably better off looking at a PMP certification. So I guess it depends on what your use case is or what you're trying to do it for. Right. And I got the PMP certification as, I guess I was curious as to what I was missing. And I probably just wanted to add the credential to my resume. And I was already a master black belt at the time. And I approached the PMP exam as if, boy, you know, I manage projects all the time. This should be a cinch. And then when I started studying for the exam, I, you know, my first practice exam, I got like a 40%. And that that was a real eye opener because it's really the jargon. Um, it's just way different uh, for the Project Management Institute. It's, it, and, and for me, it was not, uh, it just didn't make sense. I had to really study to understand what some of the words actually meant in in real life. So um, if you're thinking you have your black belt and that PMP will just be an easy extension, uh, I, I I would say rethink that because it is a significant, significantly difficult endeavor, the getting ready for the PMP exam. And it keeps getting, it's actually keeps getting a little bit more complicated as we go on. So I'm just happy to keep my recertification going so that I do not have to take that test again. Nice. All right. So this next one, what kind of projects would qualify as Six Sigma Greenbelt projects in parentheses in business? Um, my opinion, any and every project that is either saving or improving some sort of quality or reducing defects, saving some sort of cost or improving profits or improving morale of the team um, in who is working on it, so it improves efficiency, if you want to call it that way, um, or qualify, in my opinion, as a Six Sigma Greenbelt project. So um, I don't know what was specific about in-business. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that the in-business, in parenthesis, means more like a transactional world. Right. Uh, uh, so I think there is no difference whether it's transactional or whether it's manufacturing or whether it's something else. But that's kind of how I would think about it. I don't know if you have a different viewpoint on that. Yeah, I guess I would just say you're right. It's all about improving some level of a output from a process. And the hard part sometimes is people recognizing what is a process and or that people recognizing that everything you do is a process. And I've seen the complexity of these things vary from, you know, full enterprise end to end with being a Greenbelt project and that being pretty complex to, hey, this is my job and I'm just trying to make it a little bit more efficient uh, and I'm really the only stakeholder in this. Can I have that count as my Greenbelt project? Now, there's, I see a lot of variation in what people classify as counting toward that. Um, so I actually have a hard time answering this. Like if somebody wants to know if 
a project, if their project was significant enough to count towards certification, it really depends on where you work and who the certification body is. Some some certifications require a lot of really high complexity in a Greenbelt project, and some of them just say, just show me you know how to use the methodology and apply it to your job. Yeah. No, that's true. Ooh, here's one. This is this is really philosophical. <laughs> Why do you work a job that you don't enjoy? Oh. Shall uh, I go first? <laughs> please. Uh, or you know, I was gonna say should we probably need a separate episode just to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably talk to a therapist for this one. <laughs> or, or we just keep it simple. Because I need to eat, <laughs> and I still need a place to live. That's um, that's really all it is. And and I think you know I complain about everywhere I work, and I complain about every boss I'll, I'd ever have. And I've come to the realization that that's probably not going to change. So um, I'm trying real hard to uh, really appreciate the things I do enjoy and try to enjoy, even if I don't enjoy the work. Uh, enjoy the time that I am at work, enjoy the people, enjoy my comrades, and uh, and try to find enjoyment from those things that I get to do that are that are pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, don't be the glass half empty guy. That's what it is. Be the glass half full kind of guy. Well, I, I'll always be the glass half empty guy. I, I, yeah. I, I'm coming to terms with that, um, but uh, I'll still recognize, I'm still trying to recognize that that there's still more. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. I don't think I'm going to be able to change my tone too much, but uh, just enjoy the ride, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, the answers to the question are exactly what you said, right? Uh, it's not, I mean, in many cases, it's a paycheck, uh, mm-hmm. but it also, it could be the fact that, you know, you, you know, a paycheck, for many people, priority is different, but, you know, the job I have today is the closest to home, and for the flexibility that this job offers me, I'll suck it up even though I don't enjoy it. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, 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 it's going, you're going to get a different answer for a different person. You can do a five by for all you want or a fishbone <laughs> on these things and you get there. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it comes down to some level of personal uh, reason, either a paycheck or something else, which what's trying you here. Absolutely right. What do you think about this next one? How did Lean and Six Sigma, or specifically Lean Six Sigma, get a 3.4 DPMO? Wow. I guess we should send them to our uh, initial episodes. Well, we did. There's there's this hidden... Well, we could send them to the initial episode and see what this is, but there's the the hidden lie that we hadn't talked about yet that I'd like to talk about at some point. Well, we can unveil it a little bit now. But the truth is that Lean Six Sigma, Six Sigma, I should say, Six Sigma is not 3.4 DPMO. It's not? Statistically, (laughs) 4.5 Sigma is 3.4 DPMO, but... Oh, uh, you're throwing people off now. Come on. (laughs) But there is a 1.5 Sigma shift that is assumed to happen long term which makes six sigma the long term uh <laughs> gives six sigma long term uh as a 3.4 defects per million opportunity capability 
So that's actually definitely a full episode explanation. Yeah, I mean, I think, long story short, right, it's a part of capability, it's a part of probability on where does this all fit. Uh, and for those of you who have not heard us before, please check our capability episodes and we can probably put in the show notes on which episodes those are if you're interested to do a quick search. Otherwise, if you just scroll through the list, you should find it very easily. Um, right. And if you're wondering what is DPMO, that is Defects Per Million Opportunities, and that is in one of our very early episodes we went through some definitions. We're talking like three years ago now. But again, it should be one of the earliest episodes, probably in the single-digit ones or definitely uh, the double-digit ones. <laughs> f- four years ago now, my friend. Okay, four years ago now, my sorry. <laughs> but yes. Been a great ride. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Are you applying for professional certification in your field? You'll be happy to learn that all this time you've been streaming Jacob and me into your ears. You've also been earning continuing education units, or CEUs, which can be applied toward most professional certifications. You can do your research, all the math, and figure out which episodes are applicable for which discipline, or you can save yourself the time and hassle and just order a CEU report from us. All you need to do is provide us with which episodes you've listened to, and we'll provide you with a portfolio including details about each episode and a certificate of recognition with a CEU breakdown by competency, including leadership, tactics and tools, strategy deployment, and principles and philosophies. So if you have certification on the mind, start here and save some time. Just go to e6s-methods.com slash CEU to order yours. Is it better to identify waste as Tim Woody, T-I-M-W-O-O-D-I, or Tim Woods, T-I-M-W-O-O-D-S? Uh, you know, I can throw another one, downtime, <laughs> if that's an easier one. Right. Uh, so there's different acronyms. I actually have not heard Tim Woody yet. The DI, I think mm-hmm. I've heard of Tim Woods. I think I know what that is. But uh, yeah, t- Tim Woods is, is Tim Woody. I'm guessing they just replace S with uh, I. So they just replace the S with I, and and uh, you know S is skills underutilized. Maybe yeah. I is intelligence underutilized. Um, so I I I really don't see a difference honestly um it's really talking about are you using your talent if you're just talking about that particular waste first of all that's an eighth waste that was added after toyota created their own um and it seems to be unique to i believe the united states that uh, we have a culture that uh i guess tends to overlook the importance of uh talent in in a lot of the maybe in manufacturing or overlook the uh the use the good use of skills um, I, I, based on a Toyota production system that isn't a particular gap because it's uh, ingrained in their culture. But uh, we tended to add that because it's tends to not be ingrained in our workplace culture. So anyway, whether it's skills or intelligence, it's really just talking about, Hey, don't forget that these are people and they know don't leave them out of the solution because they're probably the ones who know best how to uh, fix things. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that's a great point. And the, the other piece, if I really answer the question, is it better to identify waste? Um, I think my answer would be, I don't think you need to identify waste. Uh, you need to, well, I, or identify waste 
using these and using any category, this is just a guidepost for you to think of what are some of the things you should consider as ways. It's a it's an acronym as a cheat sheet more than anything else uh, that will help you recognize the ways. Um, mm. Whether you categorize this as Tim Woody or Tim Woods, it really, really doesn't matter. Yeah, good point. Oh, this one should be your favorite. What is the difference between Six Sigma and ISO? Oh, uh, I don't think they're even on the same planet. Um, <laughs> Six Sigma is more of the methodology for fixing a problem or statistical way of thinking of how to solve a problem. ISO is nothing but a certification that you can obtain uh, on your organization. So mm-hmm. I would say primarily Six Sigma is process or problem-oriented, whereas ISO is for an organization standard uh, which is being measured or which is being certified, I should say. And then if you go into the details, uh, Aaron, you've worked as an ISO auditor for a long time. What would you say? <laughs> I did, yeah. So and for ISO, you're, you're following a, a – and, you know, well, maybe this brings it. There are ISO standards on Six Sigma. Six Sigma and the, yeah. the rollout of Six Sigma. So ISO t- decides, hey, this should be – this is the standard by which – all companies should do something if they want to be certified by our ISO designation. And if you want to be certified because your customers want it or it's good for marketing or actually sometimes being certified is the best thing you can do to, to get your, to k- kick your company into gear um, for some companies that just have no processes um, you using ISO as a benchmark to try to achieve can help you get there. Um, but, uh, basically they say, if you want it, um, come on in, we have a bunch of different things that say you shall do this a certain way. We'll come on in, we'll audit you and we'll make sure that you are doing things by the book. And it's just, uh, it's, that's all it is making sure that you're doing things consistently and by the book, uh, six Sigma can help you do things more efficiently and effectively, but ISO actually does not require you to be efficient and effective most of the time. And it's getting a little different, but most of the time it just is requiring you to do it consistently, um, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. It's, it's looking for a documentation saying, this is how you've recognized you and your organization are going to work on this. And are you following your documentation? Um, and if not, it's just a finding and asking you to fix it the next time. So it's really not forcing any, any sort of standards or any sort of activities. It's just looking for documentation. Yeah, I've seen ISO get completely out of hand and um, be far too large. And I've seen companies that claim to be ISO that are clearly not ISO, but they still have the ISO designation. So they're very different, just like you said. Yes. But they can be complementary. Sure. If done right. What an ISO audit can find as gaps can be Six Sigma can be used to leverage or con, you know get them to consistent. And Six Sigma lean, I... I use them interchangeably. It's a whole bunch of tools in my view. So mm. that combination can be leveraged to improve something that you need to. Yeah. And so I will say that when I moved from master black belt to quality manager, everybody in the organization had the assumption that it was a, a, a logical move that, Oh, this is a really, you know, right in your bailiwick. You should be able to do this just fine since you've been working six Sigma all this time. 
it is a different set of skills, and I didn't realize it until I got there, which also means that none of the managers realized the difference between what the two organizations, how they operate in the kind of skills, and that includes the VP of quality. So it's um, for me, it was uh, far more difficult of a transition um, from Six Sigma into ISO, uh, managing the ISO system, because I I think everybody thought they were it would be the same skills, but really they weren't. Our ISO system there really wasn't trying to make improvements to anything. It was just capturing, uh, stop, stopping complaints or, you know, fixing or saying, sorry, (laughs) I had to apologize so many times. Well, that wasn't the ISO part. That was your quality manager head. The ISO is different, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the ISO part, if you look at it, it's more, do you have the right set of documentation? Are you following it? That's where the ISO piece comes. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Your quality manager head was more. Well, you already got the title of quality manager. Why is your quality so poor, Aaron? So can you explain that to me? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah. O- old wounds. <laughs> Here we go. Can I get the list of companies doing poorly with Lean Six Sigma methodology? Uh, I wish I had an answer for this. I honestly don't. I don't even know. I don't even know how I can list the companies that are doing Lean Six Sigma. I'll forget who's doing it poorly. Right. I put this in as, as kind of, uh, for me, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's like, uh, you know, where do you want me to start? You know, they're all doing it poorly to some to some extent. As a matter of fact, I, I think there's very few who are really doing it very well. Um, and even though you but, can find what, what's wrong with them. So yeah, it, it is, there's no right or wrong answer here. I think, I think the question is, what are they trying to accomplish with Lean and Six Sigma? Um, and are they getting the benefits out of it? That's how I would look at it more than anything else. Because one thing I've learned and I've seen, if the focus is purely on cost, uh, they're already poor. <laughs> so mm. uh, you're going to lose interest. You're going to lose support. You're going to lose that. And then for those organizations that are looking at it more for changing the culture on how the organization as a whole thinks and operates, that's probably the right intention. And probably you can see it being adopted better or at least attempted better. Uh, anything right. beyond that, I would say, is probably the wrong choice for Lean and Six Sigma usage. Yeah, I think I'll agree. I mean, I know some companies, like for instance, 3M, 3M gave Six Sigma a black eye for in the in the media, I guess around, I don't know, 2000 something. Um, and they kind of uh, went away from it. Uh, two years ago, we had a 3M executive come in and say, we're bringing it back. You know, it's important. So uh, it goes in cycles, depends on who's in, in charge. Um, but doing it poorly, I guess it really is is all relative. I mean, there there's those studies out there that say all the all the companies that, um, you know, or what, 70% of the companies that implemented Lean Six Sigma ended up going bankrupt, um, you know, within 10 to 20 years or whatever. To me, that's somebody's trying to draw a causation there that really just doesn't make sense. It depends. A lot of these companies that are implementing Six Sigma, they're implementing it too late because they're already on a downward spiral and they do not have the next, um, the next, uh, innovation that the company needs for a new business model. And they're implementing this to try to slow down their death as a company. Yep. And, uh, often they're just too late when they get there. They are late or they're probably, 
extending their flight cycle, right? What, like what you were saying, they're, they're, they've right. been able to prolong the inevitable. Uh, just because you've adopted Lean or Six Sigma doesn't necessarily make you an innovative company. Just because you're doing DFSS doesn't mean that you're going to be able to find the next product that is going to save the world or save your world. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you can really attribute that uh, even sort of a challenge because in some, some form or format, somebody in the organization who is smart enough needs to identify the problem or identify the right problem and then mm-hmm. figure out who has the right skill to work on that. If you don't have a combination of all these things, chances are you're just going to find Six Sigma to be the blame uh, for not getting you there. Um, you know, it's statistics at that point. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, it's very hard to say, to be honest. Right, right. Thanks for listening to episode 206 of the E-Success Methods podcast. We continue with more questions from Quora in episode 207. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then share us with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? Join our LinkedIn group. Tell us why. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If not climbing up, you're falling down.